1: Just a quick note that this is another day where I've cleverly gone to the dentist before recording, but I think it sounds okay. This is about how I sound throughout the show, but in case, there there are a couple of times there where it sounds like I'm a little bit drunk. I promise I'm not. I'm just, I've just got a numb mouth. Anyway, here's the show. Welcome to the Help Desk. My name is Peter Wells.
0: And I'm Tess Bennett.
1: And today we're starting with Robodebt.
0: Yeah, so another chapter in the RoboDebt saga closed yesterday when the federal government agreed uh, to pay $112 million in compensation, interest and legal costs up to 430,000 people who were affected by the RoboDebt scheme, which was you know, originally intended to recoup alleged welfare overpayments, which turned out to be calculated through a flawed method.
1: Yeah, they were doing an average over the year, so you could earn a couple of extra bucks here and there, and suddenly you'd be slammed. That they, they, they would calculate that over the entire year, thinking that's what you owed, and then yeah, you suddenly got a debt.
0: And so the class uh, action has been settled. Uh, it doesn't really seem like anyone has owned up uh, mm. and has taken responsibility as yet.
1: No. No, there were two ministers responsible, uh, the same two ministers who appeared on Four Corners last week, actually. But uh, they have, neither of them have decided to take any responsibility for this program. I assume we'll eventually hear that it was uh, up to some nameless public servant.
0: Mm-hmm. Or we can uh, try to blame the computer.
1: Hmm, hmm. <laughs> I liked some of the uh, tweets I saw yesterday. Was uh, Ariel Bergel, who is an, a former ABC reporter, said, "I wonder if this is the biggest ever settlement related to government by algorithm." And I love that phrase, "government by algorithm," because that's kind of what it was, wasn't it?
0: I mean, <laughs> there's algorithms in all sorts of things, and I do think government by algorithm still defers a little bit of responsibility or too much responsibility to the to the machine.
1: Yeah yeah I guess you're right yeah it's, and it's also interesting that these kind of these kind of schemes like Robo debt only ever go after people on welfare. you don't see this uh this same kind of automation happening on the tax side of things
0: no, and I've got this real sense that uh, Centrelink hasn't actually learnt or that lessons haven't been learnt from this. I feel like, uh, you know, I dealt with Centrelink a little bit this year and I'm thinking with JobKeeper, JobSeeker, that there's just, I've just got this horrible feeling that there's a RoboDebt 2.0 18 months around the corner.
1: Oh God, that would be so scary because there are so many people on uh, JobKeeper down here. Anyway, moving on, uh, GitHub has brought back YouTube DL. (laughs) The world's largest code repo has reinstated YouTube DL. If you can't remember what that is, a quick reminder, YouTube DL is an open source tool that allows users to download video from popular video streaming services such as ABC IFU, SBS On Demand, and of course, YouTube, hence the name. Sorry? Yeah,
0: I'm quite su- I'm quite surprised by this sort of backflip. It seemed like a very firm decision at the time.
1: It really did, and it seemed like one that didn't have much nuance either. The the tool exactly there to download stuff, which you're not really supposed to do as part of the terms of service of YouTube, but. GitHub has decided that they want to kick back against the DMCA or the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, and they're taking a bit of a stand actually with their uh, with the open source projects that are on its site. So they're saying they're going to push back against any DMCA takedown notices unless it is uh, fully signed and and uh, the the people they're putting the onus back on the people making the DMCA claims, and they're also a one million dollar fund uh for any open source project that is threatened with DMCA. Really weird because Microsoft are the people who now own GitHub. So this is a kind of, this is a move that may not be something you would expect from Microsoft.
0: No, not at all. And sticking with big tech, uh Big Sur is bricking 2013 and 2014 MacBook Pros. Peter, what's going on?
1: Yeah, so Big Sur uh just it's just a small Group of machines so far identified, but uh, a bunch of people on the Mac Rumors forum and also on Reddit and Apple Support communities are saying that Big Sur is making their uh, 2013 and 2014 MacBook Pros. I hate the word bricking, but they're, they're using the term that basically they can't boot after the update goes through. Anyway, it does look like it's only affecting 2013 and 14 specifically 13-inch MacBook Pros, which I know is a a, a strange thing to kind of pass, but that is uh, the affected machines. And so Apple has not made any statement yet, but the good people at MacRumors are saying, until we understand what is clear and what is causing the issue, and Apple releases a fix, we're uh, we're encouraging any 13-inch MacBook Pro user to hold off installing macOS Big Sur. And of course, that is only the 2013 and 2014 models. Gosh, that's really hard to get you. It's so hard to see in audio, but it's so easy to read on a page. Just go to the show notes, okay? Yep.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I have not uh, installed any updates. Uh, I keep closing that window, prompting me to do it.
1: Uh, I mean, I've got Big Sur running on two machines in this house, and it's fine. So, I, And I have been running it through the entire beta, but yeah, there's, there's always... Use cases that people don't test for. Uh, that's why software is hard.
0: And now to telco news. TPG's new Felix Mobile brand launches today. The telco is positioning itself as a simple service with just one plan available, a $35 a month plan with endless data But that data is capped at five megabits per second, which will be fine for social email browsing and even some video watching. But don't expect HD Netflix through that plan. And there's also some marketing which accompanies uh, the launch, uh, dubbing the service as Australia's first zero-carbon telco, and that the service will plant one tree per customer per month.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't have put this in the show notes if it wasn't for that very clever marketing, because it just, it it grabs my attention, and uh, and so that's why I wanted to talk about it. I don't know how much planting one tree per customer is going to actually help the environment, but I love... The concept, uh, and I've heard this described before as workonomics, um, that places like Warby Parker and other places do where, you know, you you always hear those things, especially on podcast ads and things where it's like, you buy one pair of glasses and we'll send a pair of glasses to someone in need. It it seems to be a really, really uh, positive way of getting brand recognition.
0: Yeah, I don't think it moves the needle on making a decision, but it's a nice it's a nice to have, I would say.
1: Apparently it also helps in recruiting though as well. So, mm. you know, yeah, it's much easier to, to get someone to work for you if, if they think that you're doing good for the world
0: yeah that's a good point and also if you get more trees the more loyal you are so <laughs> you know it gives you an incentive just to, to stick around and get a new tree planted for you every month
1: yeah i wonder if you get like one of those little uh adopter tree uh letters in the mail telling you you know how mm. your tree's doing anyway that's all we have time for today you've got another conference to run back to tess so get on to that
0: Yep, the Zoom calls never end.
1: (laughs) They really don't. And I'm going to be up till three in the morning for something I can't talk about. Anyway, good night. Bye. (laughs) Bye.
0: (laughs) Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.